Hello and welcome back to the Unending TBR podcast. This week's episode, I am really excited because I have the lovely Rachel Scott McDaniel to talk to me about history, mystery, and mobsters. Thank you so much for joining in on this episode. So this week, I am super excited because I have Rachel Scott McDaniel with me. Thank you for joining me, Rachel. Thank you for having me. So to be here. Um, really excited for your next release. You've had a busy couple of years <laughs> publishing wise. Um, and I noticed like, let's give people a little bit of introduction to your stuff. You write mostly based in 1920. Can you tell me why you're attracted to that time period? Okay. I kind of fell into it by accident. Really? <laughs> um, yes. Actually, most people don't know this, but my very first story that I wrote wasn't Above the Fold. It was The Red Canary. And Above the Fold just happened to get picked up first. But um, The Red Canary was actually set in the 1940s. And Mick was a World War II fighter pilot. Um, and uh, the story made its rounds through the publishers and got very far in one of the big ones, um, but it got rejected because they said they had an influx of World War II books mm. and World War II era set stories, 1940s. So I was like, hmm, and I try to think of like an era that's not really covered. And then I looked up Pittsburgh in the 1920s and just found a gold mine because <laughs> I didn't realize I grew up about 20 minutes away from Pittsburgh and I never knew that it was known as the wettest city in the dry nation during the prohibition and I didn't even know that the word speakeasy was actually invented in Pittsburgh <laughs> um, so I it was just like oh really so I was I just dove into it got um, a research book and um, just primarily set in Pittsburgh about the prohibition days and there was so it was so layered there's so much depth to it and I was like oh I can set the red canary in the 1920s and have Vera be instead of just a nightclub singer have her be a speakeasy singer and um then everything kind of unfolded from there and I realized how much I loved the era um and even it made more sense with um in above the fold with Alyssa being a suffragette and um you know, her wanting to make a mark in the world of journalism. So then I was just like, huh, I can probably camp here for a bit. So that's where we are. That is, I totally thought I was going to get a different answer from you because I thought, oh my goodness, you live close there. You just must have been so absorbed in all that culture that it got all. <laughs> that's just how things go with me. I kind of just fall right into stuff. I'm like, oh, we'll just roll with it. <laughs> well, it appears to, yeah, wow. <laughs> Um, what part do you enjoy the most about writing? Um, the same reason that I enjoy reading, the escapism. <laughs> I, um, I am a reader first and I, um, would, I have a daughter that is on the spectrum. And so it, I am a caregiver 24 seven and she relies on me for a lot. So I can't, um, I don't often get to travel much uh, because of being her primary caregiver. 
So I used books to escape and I used writing to escape. I dabbled in that and I'm like, this is amazing. I can do, you know, what about travel whenever you can time travel, <laughs> go to different eras and explore and make up things and just travel your imagination. And so honestly, that is why I um, I started writing and why I continue writing. And most of my, my prime time writing time is probably about from like a midnight to 2 a.m. <laughs> because oh, uh, my daughter, well, my daughter um, sometimes struggles falling asleep. And so uh -huh. instead of me being frustrated that the child isn't sleeping, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm gonna work on chapter 15, girl, you just chill. <laughs> so that's, it's kind of, it works for us. And, you know, we need to take a nap during the day. We take a nap during the day. So that was kind of a very long answer for your, for your question, but it's an escape. Now, that is really interesting. And it's interesting to see how it, it gets into everybody's life differently. And that, that is really interesting to um, hear. I like that. I always love the long story behind the story. <laughs> so, I'm very um, long-winded, hence me being a writer, because I'm like, I can just, you know, keep on talking. <laughs> so what do you find is a challenge? Because I noticed like each one of your books that I've read has an element of mystery to it, a little bit of like suspense, something going on. How difficult is that to work a mystery into history that we already know what happened? Like, how did you work that out? Um, I love reading mysteries. I love watching mysteries. I'm a big fan of Agatha Christie and Hercule Poirot's and Miss Marple's. And um, I just love, I, I, I love plots. I love, I, I think like the more twisty, turvy the plot, the more mm -hmm. I get engrossed in, in reading. And I love trying to, as the reader, I love trying to figure out who did it. Absolutely. And it's just like, it's, and I, I like really like, <laughs> My husband laughs at me because I get really intense when I'm watching mysteries because I like don't want to miss a clue. Yeah, <laughs> he knows he can't talk to me while we're watching movies. Um, so I'm like, Shh, I need to know. Um, yeah. so that's what... <laughs> um, so that's how I am with the writing part. Um, mm -hmm. I try to spin everything and mm -hmm. then make it look like one way and then turn it and go this way and then turn it and go this way and then turn it again. and sometimes you run into your roadblock you're like mm. um there's one special element that I'm like oh I can't do that because I did that in my other story um mm. and I don't want to look like a one-trick pony so I'm thinking hmm how does this how does this work how does this unravel and actually in the mobster's daughter I wrote the first draft up to about 80, 80%, 85%. And I stopped Ooh. because I didn't, because the person I projected as the villain didn't want to be the villain. <laughs> so I had to, I was like, okay. So I went back to the beginning and I just polished it up and got to know my characters more. And by the time I reached that point again, I was able to finish. And um, I'm was really pleased with how it turned out. But sometimes it doesn't go as I, originally plotted so that's probably the answer it doesn't always doesn't always go according to plan and those are the, those are great mysteries because it's like if you can always predict it it's like yeah right that's a hard sell too with with mystery um readers because they're oh that's what we do yeah right 
So I, I love some of your posts that you do, especially on Instagram, including those fun facts that you find in your research and the crazy pictures that you've unearthed. Um, what do you feel is one of the strangest things that you've discovered in research? I found so many crazy things. Um, I'm surprised I don't have my own satellite for the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> researching mysteries. Um, I looked at some poisons that, that I'm like, oh, I didn't know this could kill you. Um, so there are <laughs> some, some crazy things like that that are a little bit on the deadly side. Um, mm. And then there's the wacky stuff as in, um, I was looking to see um, when things were invented, like um, in The Mobster's Daughter, I found out that the um, Faber Castle uh, coloring pencils came out that year so I incorporated it into the story but when, when learning about other things other things come on your search engine like the wacky inventions that you see on my Instagram post about the baby cages um the baby cages I'm like what were they thinking um and another was um the fashion trend like mm. for their nails there was a brief time where they would hire painters to paint pictures of people on their fingernails. Um, so you'd have a portrait of your kid or your boyfriend on your thumbnail. And I was like, hmm. Is that what <laughs> some <laughs> software companies got the idea of the thumbnail picture? <laughs> hey, that might be, that might be. But, um, so it's a wide variety of craziness. And um, sometimes I'm able to sneak them in my books. And other times I just like put them in a file and giggle. And when I need a giggle, I pull them out. <laughs> well, it's interesting about the colored pencils. Cause it's like, I remember that was like a huge thing. I went, graduated from crayons to colored pencils and used those for years. I had yeah. no idea they were that recent, like how they were in the 1920s. I thought it was much later. So that's, that's interesting. Yep. 1924. Crazy. So um, in Mobster's Daughter, I mean, as the, the title, you really go into that period of organized crime yes. in the 1920s. And why do you find that there aren't many books in Christian fiction with this setting, with organized crime? Like you said, there's really not much out there. Why do you think that that is? honestly don't know and um, maybe because they were a lot more vile I made them very tame <laughs> in the mobster's daughter um I'm going to relay this here I haven't um did I put this on I think I did I think I did put it on Instagram but the Savastana card was actually based off of what the Italian mob used and they actually had the black hand and if you received a black hand that was a death, death net, death note, a death sentence. And so um, the book that I read for research for organized crime in Pittsburgh during the 20s and 30s, there was such a turnover of mob bosses because mm. there was such um, power hungryness about it. Um, very few reigned for longer than five years or yeah four or five years because oh. they would get they would yeah they someone else would overthrow them they take their little bootlegging empire until someone else overthrew them so it was very complicated 
and it was very um, brutal. <laughs> and the one part where I actually got with the Slavistanu is in the research book that I had, this was a real person. They were known as the yeast king uh, because they would supply yeast to all the bootleggers. And he, um, he actually stayed around the longest because everyone needed his services. So I think as long as you were needed, then you were, you were able to survive. As soon as you can be disposed of, you were disposed of. <laughs> so, um, but I really did get my eyes open to lots of crazy things that went on during the 20s. Um, but like I said, the mobster, mobster's daughter is very tame compared to... Yeah. Um, and I guess, I guess that may be one of the elements that it's so known for its brutality. It just hasn't made um, yeah. an appearance in that kind of an audience. So I can understand that. I also, I'm really glad that you've done it because like, I'm really, that period of history really fascinates me. I was so upset the one time I went to Las Vegas a couple of years ago, I was so excited because they have a, they have a mob museum in Las Vegas because that's what built Las Vegas and I was so upset because it was closed the whole time I was there and I'm like yeah would be interesting there was actually an exhibit um when I was making the switch from the 1940s to 1920s in the Pittsburgh Heinz Museum there was actually a 1920s exhibit and it was just I was just so geeking out when I went because um they explained lots of stuff about the mobsters and about organized crime, they showed, they had, um, oh, like they, like in their displays, they would have the things that the bootleggers used, um, how they would hide, the, they, they put a flask inside a cane, um, inside of a walking cane, and you can pull it out, and there's this huge glass, slim glass vial for, I'm like, who in the world would think of this? Um, then they showed a car that had all the different places where they would hide their run. Um, and just a whole bunch of things. And then they had a picture where you can stand right next to Al Capone and get your picture taken, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, my kids love that part. But um, it was really, it was really educational and informative and just fun. Um, there was even an exhibit where you ha like had to say a certain password and knock the right way to get entrance into one of the rooms. So it was fun. Wow, that is cool. That is so cool. I love it that they're, they're keeping that history a lot, you know, alive in a way and that you can, I just think of like when I hear the alcohol being shipped through vehicles and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, kind of like they're doing with drugs these days. <laughs> it was, it was a big business. And oftentimes like we get the Hollywood version of the 1920s <laughs> with the Ritz and the glamour, but a lot of it wasn't. <laughs> um, a lot of it was really shady. Um, bootleggers would resort to taking things like mineral spirits and turpentine and trying to dilute it and then putting caramel color in it to and then and then selling it off as scotch and people would pay through the news for it and then they would end up um dying or getting really sick because they're drinking turpentine paint stripper um so that happened a lot and um and it and um, and everything would go from like a seedy speakeasy but they did have the ritzy ones for those that were more wealthy um and then you actually had to pay a certain cover price to um actually attend that speakeasy so um it just it, it ranged so there was the glamour but more often not yeah so 
sounds like it. So let's talk a little bit about, a little bit more about Mobster's Daughter. In creating it, what was your favorite part? Hmm. I loved incorporating radio um, mm. because it was another thing I stumbled upon that KDK in Pittsburgh was the very first radio station in the world. And I'm like, how can I not put this in? The very first ever. And then actually um, using the airwaves as kind of a communication tool for Kate, my heroine. I loved being able to get to that part. I love the aspect of forbidden romance where they're star-crossed in a way. Um, so I really, I wanted to challenge myself in that because I tried, um, there's, it's just such a challenge because you don't want to make your heroine to be a liar, <laughs> but you have to up the stakes to mm -hmm. say, okay, well, this is a means of protection, kind of like, you know, the, the witness protection program where they assume a different identity. So, um, by upping the stakes and making her vulnerable, wanting to tell him the truth over and over again, um, I was able to walk that line better. And I feel like, yeah, you're right. That's such a hard thing to, to get um, right. I think you did such a good job because I feel like her, like all the motives were very believable, I feel, you know, and it's like, there was never a sense where it's like, she's overplaying it or anything. It's like, yeah, I can see why she did what she did. That was really great balance. Love the tension that that kept through the story too. Yes. That was, that was fun to write too. I love that tension. I love the romantic tension and I love kind of bringing them together. Um, that was really fun. And the kiss scene is probably my favorite kiss scene out of all of the um, books that I've written. Oh yeah, that was just, that was, if, if people, if listeners haven't pre-ordered it, it's like, oh, you need to pre-order it because it's gone. <laughs> um, what was your biggest challenge with this one to write? Um, well, not story-wise, it was actually time. <laughs> I, um, I needed to get it done because I had another book that needed um, undercurrents. Got mm. contract. I needed to finish. <laughs> I needed to start that one because I only had six months to do that one. So it was, it was a challenge um, on the time side. It was also um, like a challenge, like I said earlier, when I hit the roadblock at 80% to do the ending because I'm like I did not want I wanted the ending to be satisfying I wanted the ending to um not just be rushed but I and I wanted it to be memorable mm -hmm. and so I that's why I went back to the beginning and reworked um and polished it up and then I was ready by the time I reached it so that was probably the biggest challenge yeah I can imagine I know I could not believe when I saw how close between undercurrent and secrets and mobster's daughter it's like wow this has been a year for yep. you yes it was um probably one of the craziest things i've ever done on the writing side putting two books out but at least this one um was written and um didn't really need that much editing um before developmental wise and we had it ready to go that is awesome so now, like, when this, hopefully when this uh, podcast airs, you'll have four published books. Yes. Um, what would you tell your earlier writing self now that you're at this point? 
I think it would just be just right. Don't worry about comparing yourself to other people. When you read a stellar story, don't be like, don't compare your stories to them. Don't compare your writing style to them. Um, don't worry about reader reception. <laughs> um, don't read reviews unless you're tagged. <laughs> Um, and, and even then was, proceed with caution, I'm sure. <laughs> right, right. And you know, you're, I, re I realize um, not every story is gonna be every reader's cup of tea. Yeah. And that is, and, and reading is so subjective. Mm -hmm. And but that is what makes reading so amazing is that um, different stories affect different people and um, can be memorable to different readers. So, um, I think that would mostly just be just right. <laughs> and don't worry about um, all the side stuff because really it doesn't go away. <laughs> and because once you, like whenever before you're writing it, you're writing to get published. And then once you're published, you're writing for the next book and wanting, and then you're like, oh, am I gonna, exceed, you know, you feel like you have to exceed your first book. And then you have to feel like you have to do better. And like, like with each story, the bars raise and how, and then the pressure comes with that. And so I dealt with that. I'm like, mm. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to write what's on my heart and we'll just go from there. Great advice. I think it's like across the board too. It's like, you have to just live life, man. Right, that, that's very true. Not worry about what other people think. Right. So what are some things that you would want um, readers to know about Mobster's Daughter? What would you tell them? It's a bit deeper than my other stories. Um, mm -hmm. I, I try to put humor in where I could, but the funny thing about humor is you gotta make sure it's well-placed because you, you can't just throw it in <laughs> at any moment um, because readers aren't gonna be prepared for it. And they're gonna be like, oh, that doesn't, it's, it's gonna, Pull them out of this story. So I tried to up the romance on this mm -hmm. one um, because I wasn't giving as much as the banter. Um, I mean, we have it in different spots. I mean, writing banter is one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> but I could there, and there's some parts where there are, but yeah. this one I tried to up the romantic tension and make it way more romancy. Um, and up the mystery. Um, so, and just to give the readers more in one area where it's lacking in the other. So. That is a really cool idea. I didn't think of that, like with your, with your earlier books, you had so, so have so much, even like an undercurrent of secrets. There's a lot of like light, fun banter. And I like how you did it, you know how, but it's like you kept that tension going without the banter. So I guess that was a bit of a, an exercise, but you did it really well. Thank you. I loved it. Um, so here was an extra question. If Mobster's Daughter had a playlist, what is one song that would be on it? Oh, wow. That's very interesting. I honestly need to think about that <laughs> because um, I listened to a lot of soundtrack when I yeah. wrote um, the Pride and Prejudice soundtrack mm. and the Emma 2009 soundtrack was um like on repeat and so um there were some times I did listen to Garth Brooks the dance a lot mm. um I'm not sure why but I think it was the fact of whenever things 
got real serious and there was decisions that need to be made about loving or leaving <laughs> um, and about the hurt that went along with it. Um, like, is it better to love or, you know, like on the, the lyrics, you know, yeah. I might've missed the, you know, might've missed it all, but I would have missed the dance. So that was probably one of the songs on that would be on the song, on the playlist because of um, its relevance in the mobster side. And plus they didn't make, there's a thing about dancing in there um, in a certain scene. <laughs> and so that's funny too. It works in that way. That's perfect. Works on, on a few levels. No, that is great. So what is next for you as an author? Mm. I am working right now on, I have like several stories opened, <laughs> but uh, right now I am working on a 1920s um, mystery. Mm -hmm. And this one involves a marriage of convenience and wing walking, <laughs> which Oh, yeah, I'm trying to find the things in the 1920s that not very many people know about. And in the 1920s, barnstorming was huge. Um, it was in fairs. And what barnstorming is, is just daredevils with Jenny biplanes. <laughs> and people would um, end up walking on the wings, hence they called wing walkers. Um, it was obviously very dangerous, <laughs> but um, they would do tricks. Um, they'd stand on their head. And so I was like, this is an amazing aspect because it was only during the 20s where they had um, unrestricted, they could do whatever they want. And, but then um, with that comes the fact that a lot of people died. <laughs> so uh, yeah. the government put restrictions and regulations on the wing walkers. And, sh and so it shut down in the 1930s. But so in the 1920s, they were allowed to do whatever. So I wanted to um, kind of focus on that. But my wing walker is my heroine and she is moonlighting as a wing walker. She's really a New York socialite who's trying to find the person who killed her husband. Um, and so there's several twists right at the beginning, which I'm not sure how I'm gonna be able to pull that off because like the one of the major plot twists are in like the first three chapters. <laughs> so we'll see, but um, it was, um, it's drafted and I have about a hundred pages edited and um, I'm doing the same thing with the mobsters, how I do with the mobsters. I stopped at 85% and going back to the beginning. <laughs> right now we still have the same villain that's intended, but um, we'll see what happens. That is really cool. My brother is a huge aviation history buff. So I've seen those stills and the barnstorming and everything. And I mean, it's just amazing that people live through that period. Like just thinking of what they did. Yeah. <laughs> everything it's from like, the baby cages to the wing walkers <laughs> how did anyone survive <laughs> maybe they were training the babies at that age to be wing walkers. <laughs> maybe oh it is an intense era but it's a fun one and there's so many um layers to it there's so i don't know if you can exhaust it because at the beginning of the suffragettes at the end you have the depression and you have the um prohibition in between and um flappers it's just there's so many elements to the 1920s so many cultural changes Yes. Yeah, that's true. Man, that's going to be definitely interested in that. Because yeah, that's something that I've never, never seen before. So that is going to be fun. And I guess it's kind of fun to branch out to be the pioneer into this period with all these other levels, because 
you can kind of do what you want, I guess. I don't know. It, yeah, it's fun. To, it's fun to feature things because when people think of the 1920s, all they think of us flappers and speakeasies. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's fun to bring new elements to the table. Like, oh, I didn't know this was around then. Or, oh, I didn't know, you know, this was when this era was or things like that. So it's fun to feature different things that go beyond the um, generalities of the era. Yeah. Definitely. And it's kind of fun to see like your... I mean, I know you you do a broad range of people who are in different types of careers and, and law enforcement, but it's kind of fun to see like everyday people too mixed into there. Like I feel like some of the 1920s stuff that we have, we have like duchesses and everything, like you know, further away. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yes, it it is fun to incorporate, and that's and that was the fun part of writing this new um, story that's coming up with Swingwalker One because she is a socialite. She is um. She's a daughter of a um, of a man of a lumber mill tycoon, and yeah. when she becomes when she takes on the persona of the wing walker, she goes to the country farms, and you know she mingles with those that you know she never mingled with before, and so and um, she develops a deep appreciation for that. You know she doesn't have her lady's maid, <laughs> and so she's just she just loves it. Um, so that was fun. One thing about historical stories is that you research and you Google a lot, like a lot, a lot. <laughs> um, everything from words, like if a certain word was used at that time, um, because sometimes our, you know, 2021 slang creeps in and we're like, oh, did they even say that back then? You know, yeah. and so you have to Google the origin of a certain term or the origin of a certain word or the origin of a certain um uh, invention like in 1920s they didn't have plastic straws they had glass straws <laughs> you know things things you wouldn't think of but wow. are very very important to um to the story because I mean and and you have those that will call you out if you don't have it absolutely correct even if you have it correct they'll still call you out because they don't think it's correct I've had that happen <laughs> like I'm of sorry. course sorry. I have research that this really happened <laughs> And that was an, I guess that was, that was a really good point about the language. Cause I did notice how you worked like the little slangs and stuff like that. And you, and you come across those and it's like, oh, wow. That so feels like, like watching a movie set in that time period where they would have slipped in those languages. Yeah. yeah. Makes That's really important. I want it to, yeah. I want it to feel right when you read it. Cause even if you don't even recognize, oh, that's not era appropriate. You're like your subconscious knows and you get pulled out of the story and you may not even know why. Yeah. Um, so that's why it's really important for me to get authentic. And I'm sure um, Sarah Sonnen once said this to me and I took it to heart. She said, you're not going to get everything right. <laughs> She's like, there's, gonna, she goes, there's one thing, at least in one of my stories that I wish I can go back and change. And she said, it's just, we do our best and then we just let her ride. <laughs> so, you know, we do our best. We research to the, you know, so we're blue in the face. And then once it hits print, we're like, later. <laughs> so. Moving on. Well, that is really exciting. Definitely looking forward to all of that. Um, where can listeners find you and find out about your books, your fun facts of history, all that stuff? Um, I'm mostly on Instagram because I tried Facebook. I'm on Facebook. I'm on all platforms. Uh, I engage where I um, I get notifications and I try to engage back um, on any of the platforms, um, email, newsletter, things like that. But um, with Facebook and their algorithms, it seems like my author page hasn't been getting as much traction 
and not many people have been seeing as much. And I've known um, a lot of authors, we've been talking and discussing that, that um, so a, a lot of authors have moved to Instagram because it just seems like that's with more geared toward the bookish community. Bookstagram, um, a lot of bookish people are on Instagram and they are amazing like you, Nicole. I don't know, it's, it's an art. I have, I've tried to make pretty pictures and I'm like, mm, it looks, it looks like a two-year-old did this. <laughs> so I'm just, I, I'm always in awe of how well you guys just put them together. There's like a texture to it and like the colors go together and then the lighting and then everything just, it just looks, it's art. It's, it has to be an art because I can't do it. <laughs> I tried it's been, many times. <laughs> it, it's been such a fun part because it was like when you discovered this community that's like oh my goodness I can share more than just like a review you if you can see it I don't know there, there's something special about bookstagram I mean it's it's mm -hmm. addictive <laughs> I totally agree and it's such a good community um everyone's always um friendly and supportive and they share your stuff and you know it's there's it's not a it's not a competition it's not a competitive thing it's just like a band of people that love books and yeah. it's amazing and I really um I just enjoy being on there um uh I so you can find me on Instagram Rachel Scott McDaniel um you can find Rachel, uh, that's my um name across the board for Twitter and Facebook um I have a newsletter um and a website rachelscottmcdaniel.com and yeah that's that's where I'm at that's awesome yes um, well, I thank you so much for joining me. Definitely looking forward to seeing all the buzz about Mobster's Daughter because it's like, I so enjoyed that one. It's just, I thank you very much, but I still have a book hangover from it. That just melts my heart because I, this story is very special to me. Um, mm -hmm. I poured so much into this one because it stretched me because I relied so much on the banter and doing all that kind of stuff. So it stretched me in having to focus on other areas that I maybe not my strongest. And so I, um, so I kind of, I was definitely challenged with this one. So I'm, I'm thankful that, that you enjoyed it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, challenges make us stronger. They do. They do. They do. Even though we whine and complain and put our face in the cookie batter and <laughs> brownie batter with the bowl and all the other stuff. But I really appreciate <laughs> um, That is awesome. Well, thank you very much. I cannot wait to see what's next and looking forward to talking to you again if it works out. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me on here. Um, it's just such an honor. And yeah. Thank you and really appreciate it.